and welcome to today's show, which is being recorded on June 20th, 2021, the 79th birthday of Brian Wilson. For our first episode, I want to go through and touch on some of the many different eras and phases of Brian's life. There's a lot to talk about, so today we'll be giving a big introduction to his life and dive deeper into certain topics and other episodes of the podcast. Also, check out our social media for a link to a playlist that coincides with today's episode. Brian Wilson was born June 20th, 1942, and grew up in Hawthorne, California, with father Murray Wilson and mother Audrey Wilson. Brian had two other brothers, Dennis, who was born on December 4th in 1944, and Carl, the youngest, who was born on December 21st, 1946. The boys grew up in a very musical home, as Murray himself was a failed Hollywood hitmaker. Though Murray pushed for Brian's musical development, he was also very abusive to the boys, physically and emotionally. One of the earliest renditions of the band, their first recording came from when Murray and Audrey Wilson went on vacation and left about 100 to $200 for emergencies only, which in today's world would be about $875. The Wilsons were not a wealthy family at all, and Murray often received criticism from his father and siblings and were referred to as poor relations. So his trust in them with his money was extremely crucial. Little did he know the boys would use this money to rent instruments and some recording equipment to record the demo of their first song, Surfin'. The first link on our playlist for this episode is a collection of recordings, and the very first one you'll hear is that early, early recording of Surfin', and I suggest you listen to that first song of Surfin' so you can use that to catapult us through today's episode. When they returned from vacation to find that the money had been used incorrectly, Murray was furious until he had heard what the boys had put together. Fast forward, through the radio success of Surfin', Murray quit his job and dedicated himself full-time to managing the group. The original name for the group was the Pendletones, like the popular surfing shirt. Then, a few other names circulated through, like the Surfers, but promoter Russ Reagan from Era Records noted that the name was already taken, and suggested the name we know today, The Beach Boys. Through the years of 1962 and 1964, the boys saw much commercial success through all obstacles of competition, from other pop groups and to the up-and-coming British invasion. Throughout this time, the issue of their manager and co-producer being Murray Wilson started to cause a conflict in the group, and the boys looked to Brian to deal with it. Here's a clip from an altercation between Brian and Murray that I think provides a good staple of Brian's character during this time and their conflict with Murray. Fellas, I have 3,000 words to say. Quit screaming and start singing from your hearts, huh? You're doing fine now. Watch your oohs. Come in on the low notes mic. Carl, ooh, you're uh. Come on. Dennis, you're flatting. Okay, Mike, you're flatting on your high notes. Let's go. Let's roll. So you're big stars. Let's fight, huh? Let's fight for success. Okay, let's go. Okay, fellas, you got any guts? Let's hear it. I said 3,000. Come on, Brian, knock it off. You guys think you're good? Let's go. Let's go. What's the matter? You made too much money, buddy? Go ahead now. Say what you want to say. All we needed was enough to loosen up. Dennis was flatting. Brian, uh, Mike was flatting on his high notes. We need help. We, we, need, who, who need, we need the honest projection that we used to have. You want to have like when you guys get too much, right? when you guys get too much money, you start you start thinking you're going to make everything a hit. Okay. Now listen, let me tell you something. Yes. When you guys get so big that you can't sing from your hearts, you're going downhill. 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 
soil was too loud, but we wanted to make him sing with confidence. He needs uh, it. Well, that doesn't make him sing with confidence. He can't hear you turn the knob. Well, I've, I've protected you for two years, but I can't go on if you're not going to listen to an intelligent man. Against many people that tried to hurt you. Are you okay. going now? I'm no. This is all awfully unfair for you to. Are you going or staying? I don't know. It's going what you want. If you want to fight for success, I'll go all out. No, I don't. We don't um, do that. You think you got it made? No, we don't. Son? We would like to record I under an atmosphere you. of calmness, and I you're love not you. my, presenting your that. Loves you. Look, we like to relax First of session. all, you should never have all these people here. Second of all, who's Second of all they're not saying anything. You you're the one talking. to sing from your hearts. I try to give you tips, and you think because you've had a few hits, you got it made. And son, remember this. You always have to fight for success because it comes from your heart. Success never comes you, from a phony singing for money. You, you have to sing from your you heart. Go tell Johnny Rivers that, not I don't care who you tell, Dale, Capitol Records, anybody. You sing from your heart because you can't compete with the brains that are trying to hurt you. Please remember that you can only... I'm sorry, I can't talk anymore. You can only fight from the bottom of your hearts. When you forget to sing from your heart, you do it. But the other guys are coasting. Uh, why don't I you go tell um, Dennis that? Or who, who's, not for, who's not singing for it? The guys are coasting. I, Chuck and I used to make one hit after another in, in 30 minutes. Time you guys take five hours to do it. Times are changing. You know why? Because you guys think you have an image. Times are changing. Don't ever forget. Times are changing. For now, I love and hate this clip. I hate it for the reason that it doesn't... It makes Murray seem like a very reasonable guy. He doesn't seem like he's asking too much, and it really takes away from possibly other recording sessions where he got a little more aggressive, as well as just the abuse he used to put them through. Brian is 96% deaf in his right ear because Murray would hit him as a toddler, as well as he would take out his glass eye that he lost from a factory job and force them to stare into the void when they were misbehaving. But I like the clip for the fact that it shows Brian's character well during this time. Brian, through all the abuse, still kept a very uh, childlike lookout of the world, and often, he, Brian was a very goofy guy and was one of the very likable things about him. And he resorted, you can see he resorted to that in this difficult situation where he had, finally had to confront his father as the boys were looking to him to fire him. And you can see he's kind of joking around, uh, trying to get his father out of there, just push him out of the way to continue their session. And especially at the end when he's saying times are changing, I think it really uh, shows how Brian is pushing to this new style of recording compared to when Murray was writing. It was it was all about really fighting, but Brian just had that natural talent that if he could relax and just let the music come to him, he can show that he wrote some really beautiful stuff, and you can see that as he repeats himself at the end there, uh, the times are changing. Brian was the one to eventually fire Murray as their manager, Though Murray was no longer the manager, for years he remained head of their father and son publishing company called Sea of Tunes. The introduction of the new British sensation, The Beatles, lit a fire in O'Brien that would spark one of his most innovative and creative eras in his life. After the December 3rd, 1965 release of The Beatles' album, Rubber Soul, Brian set out to create his masterpiece. In 1966, Brian called up advertising copywriter Tony Asher and asked him to write lyrics for his new Beach Boys projects. 
Tony had never written lyrics before, but Brian just had a gut instinct. And on a cool January morning, Tony went to Brian's house for their first meeting to write for the, quote, greatest album ever. After lots of work, innovation, conflict, and drama, on May 16th in 1966, Pet Sounds was released. The next clip on our list is the vocals from Wouldn't It Be Nice, which I think perfectly sums up just some of the magic of Pet Sounds. Between the writing, the vocal writing of Brian Wilson, as well as how well their voices blended together. One of the most quintessential parts of any Beach Boys record is their harmonies. And this is often credited to the fact that most of them are related and that three of them are actually brothers. This, along with the fact that they had been singing together since they were children, gives them a full, rich sound and gives me chills almost every single time I hear their harmonies. In the U.S., this album was a commercial failure compared to past Beach Boys projects, although the album was received well in the U.K. The boys resumed touring without them. The world they left behind began to change, though. The counterculture and hippie movement spread like wildfire and changed the California scene forever. This, and that they would bring Brian with it as one of the leaders of this new movement in California. Brian continued his innovation through the years with the mysticism of the unreleased Smile album, which was met with much contempt by the rest of the group. One of my favorite songs from this project, as well as one of my favorite Beach Boys songs in general, is Surf's Up. So the next clip you see on here is a 1967 solo recording of Brian sitting at the piano playing the song. I think this song perfectly encapsulates everything that's going on, this growing change in California, as well as within his family, the rift. Uh, personal problems he's been having, and just his connection to his spirituality, which were was very important to him at this time. Although the project was pushed to the side, many of the songs found their way through. In the, quote, lo-fi era of the Beach Boys of Smiley Smile, which replaced Smile, Wild Honey, and Friends, as well as the more Carl-influenced era of 2020 Sunflower and the Surf's Up album. After the early 70s, a few years of taking the backseat, Brian made his triumphant return in 1976 with the album 15 Big Ones, a mix of covers and original songs. This album was a mixed bag of Chuck Berry and old si early 60s sounding tunes with a now more mature Beach Boys sound and a more rough sounding vocals. This got Brian excited about creating music again, and Brian wrote enough music during this time to for two full-length albums and then some. From this came their 21st studio album release, Love You, a radically different style from what we knew of the Beach Boys, and a new creative innovation in pop music itself. This album featured many synths, and heavily featured one of Brian's favorite instruments, the Moog bass. Though the album had a radically new sound, the classical vocal harmonies are still relevant. As I said earlier, one of the most incredible part of any Beach Boys record is how well that their voices blend. The next clip you see is a clip of the vocals from one of my favorite songs from the album, The Night Was So Young. In usual Brian Wilson fashion, this left a whole album of music that was still unreleased after the album was not well received in January of 77. Next I want to play you a clip from a bootleg album called Adult Child, which was supposed to partner with Love You, but was scrapped after Love You was not received well. Here, listen to the first track off of that Adult Child album. This is a bootleg, so I hope it won't get taken down, but if you're listening to this and it's not here, then it's gone. Anyways, here is Life is for the Living. Life is for the living. Don't sit around your ass, smoke grass, that stuff would now. 
When you're in shape and your head floats into life. As you can tell, this was a very big step away from the Love You songs involving a more big band and Frank Sinatra type feel. After these albums, Brian fell back into some bad habits and a very unhealthy lifestyle. With concerns from band members and his former wife, Marilyn Ravel, they hired controversial ther- psychotherapist Dr. Eugene Landy. Landy separated Brian from the rest of the band and his family as a part of this rehabilitation process. There is a lot to read about this era with Dr. Landy, but Under his influence, Brian released his first self-titled solo album on July 12th of 1988. The album was received well and landed 54th on the Billboard charts, but gave Brian a good catalyst into his new solo career. During the last years of Eugene Landy and all the controversy about his practice in the early 90s, Brian was working on another album that was planned to be released in 1991 called Sweet Insanity. In my own opinion, I think this album expresses a lot of the feelings that Brian had in this time, as only a year later Dr. Landy was sued by Brian's family, had his license revoked, and was told he was no longer allowed to be in contact with Brian. As well as leftover feelings from when his brother... Dennis died in December of 83, which was evident in the song Someone to Love, which the melody was derived from a song Dennis had written called San Miguel. My personal favorite tune from this era is called I Do or Do You Have Any Regrets, which radiates a Vegas slash tropical feel. A similar vibe and possible response to the Beach Boys Island Number no. 1 Kokomo, which was released in 88 without Brian. The next clip you'll find in the playlist is Brian's Do You Have Any Regrets? Now I could talk about each era of Brian for hours, and I still have much more like from the 90s to today to talk about. But to wrap up the episode, I'd like to end with talking about a song or a group which Brian and the Beach Boys have a heavy influence on. Today we'll start with the cover of the same song, Do You Have Any Regrets? by The Wondermans. Wondermans was a band from the late 90s to early 2000s that were highly influenced by Brian and became his backing band for when Brian Wilson played live. Darian, and I'm probably going to say this wrong and I'm so sorry, Sahadnaja, was a big influence and helped Brian put together the clips for Brian Wilson Presents Smile and to play Smile Live and is a huge part of Brian's later career. This recording is one of my favorites of the song and even rivals the original. Quick, now pause this and go listen to one of the last videos in the, in the playlist of the Wonderman's Go Mr. Wilson bootleg tape, with the first song being Do You Have Any Regrets? I love this recording because it presents the song almost as if it had been written by Brian during the Summer Days slash Pet Sounds era, while also having their own influence on the song. The vocals of the group add its own flair, and I believe... This recording is a great example of Brian's influence with their writing, recording, and vocal technique, with Darian and the Wondermans showing off their own style and bringing a different take to the song. That's where we're going to end today's episode, and I hope you enjoy the first episode of Smiling Through the Music podcast, because there's going to be so much more to dive into and just what we talked about in this episode, and so much more. Once again, happy 79th birthday to the wizard Brian Wilson. If you'd like another good introductory video to Brian and some of the behind-the-scenes look into what was going on in his life through these years, check out Jeffrey Stillwell's video on YouTube called Why Brian Wilson is a Genius, as it is a very well-produced video essay about a great guy, and it is also in that YouTube playlist. Thank you all for listening, and love and mercy to you all.